Hey, welcome to Faith on Hill's online Sunday morning service. We gather together every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., both online and in person. Uh, in person, we have small groups to meet throughout the week. And uh, on Sunday mornings, we have uh, kids' church. Uh, we have worship and song and prayer. We study the Bible together. Uh, in fact, somebody uh, asked me this week, never been to our church, but they said, hey, you know, what's your church like? And uh, I said, awesome. But, you know, in terms of like what it's really like, we're a neighborhood church. That's not for everybody. Um, but we are a church that is in this community, Milwaukee, Oakra of Gladstone. We are focused on this community, and we're here for this community. Um, we're a simple church intentionally. You know, we have prayer, worship, the study of God's word. Uh, we have small groups that meet throughout the week. That's what our church does. So that's what we're all about. We want to tell everybody we can about Jesus. We want to submit ourselves to the word of God and, and find out what it means to be people of the kingdom of heaven. In a world that is so polarized and fragmented and wants to divide everybody, we're saying, hey, Jesus is what unites us and we want to be together. Now, next Saturday is uh, our church work day, that's June 3rd, first Saturday of June, and uh, it'll be at 9 a.m. if you want to come on out, hang out, help us uh, do a little work around the property. There's always stuff inside and outside, and so uh, you're welcome to be there for that starting at 9 a.m. Now, I am actually out of town this weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. Happy Memorial Day. We want to say thank you. Uh, everybody that represents somebody who's no longer with us, somebody who gave uh, the ultimate sacrifice for our country. I was talking to some of the veterans in our church, and every one of them is representative of people who didn't make it back, or people who were wounded psychologically, emotionally, mentally, and who came back with trauma and succumbed, uh, you know, and, and succumbed to suicide uh, later on. And that's a tragic epidemic among our, among our veteran community. And so uh, we just want to acknowledge it, say how thankful we are, and uh, remember uh, tomorrow on Memorial Day what the day means. Now, uh, I am out of town. My our friend, Pastor Bob Middleton, uh, who's part of our church, he's going to be sharing from God's Word in person. But I just wanted to share a, a quick thought here. In Matthew's Gospel, you know, there's this story, and it's in all the different Gospels. It's a famous story about the rich young ruler. And this young man, it says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, this young man comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, what must I do? What good thing must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus replied, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commands. So if you've been around the church, you've heard preachers say this, right? This is a fairly clear declaration from Jesus that he, he is God. Uh, he says, you know, hey, some translations put it, good teacher, what must I do to enter eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. The NIV puts it, what good thing must I do to enter eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. Either way, he's saying, why are you talking to me about the things of God? And he's, he's trying to draw out from this, this young man that the things of God are directly linked to Jesus. You know, a lot of people, like, there's, oh, I believe in God, and, and I think, like, for Christians, Jesus is like the prophet, or he's like the enlightened one, or he's like the interface at which through people get to God. 
But the Christian faith actually says that Jesus isn't just the connection between people and God. He is God. There's one God. He reveals himself in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and whichever translation you want to go with, and if you, uh, if you don't uh, listen to our Starting Points podcast, you can find it the same place that we put up all of our online content. Uh, you know, search Faith on Hill on Spotify or Apple Music or the videos uh, on our Facebook page, or you can go to our website, and shameless plug for that. But Starting Points podcast recently had an episode about the different translations of the Bible. And I feel very comfortable and thankful that we have the different translations that we do and the different types of translations that we do. Um, and if you want more information about why one, you know, the New King James might say something differently than the NIV might say something differently than the uh, ESV, so on, uh, you can check that episode out. But the idea here is that Jesus is saying, the things of God, the things that are good, why are you coming to me? And he's trying to draw out this young man. Why are you coming to me? Because it's not that Jesus isn't just a way, he's the way. He isn't just the connection to God, he is God. But it's, it's very likely that this young guy is just using Jesus to fix some problem in his life. He's trying to check off the God box. Uh, if you ever watch, watch the show 30 Rock, there's an episode later season where, where one of the main characters is just trying to like fix their life. And so they like do a big pie chart of all the elements of their life, their career, their personal relationships, their health, uh, spirituality slash religion. And they just try to check off all of the things uh, and, and the God part of their life. Okay, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and I'm going to sing in the choir and that'll check off the God part of my life. Tim Keller is a, just went, to be, went home to be with the Lord. He just passed away. Guy I greatly respect. Incredibly important to both Angie and I, my wife and I. And um, he said that, you know, religious people find Jesus useful. Christians find Jesus amazing. I'm paraphrasing, but that's, that's what he was saying. And what he's saying is this. This young ruler is trying to just get Jesus to, like, fix the God box in his life. How do I check off this thing? And Jesus is trying to draw him into something deeper, something better. And Jesus says to him, keep the commands. Now, when has Jesus ever said this? Is Jesus, is the Christian faith about keeping a bunch of rules? Why is it that he says keep the commands? Well, which one, verse 18, the young man replied. And Jesus replied, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, some have pointed out that this is an incomplete list, uh, that it's only part of the Ten Commandments. Uh, some have also pointed out that this list is only the outward commandments, the ones that you could prove. You know, murder can be proven, adultery can be proven, theft can be proven. These are outward things. And says, I've never done any of these things. And religious people are like that, aren't they? They've got this list of things that they've done or never done and they're so proud of um, and internal stuff. Well, you know, that you can't control that. That's, that's, that's internal. The very condition of our nature being sinful people they don't want to deal with because that's unfixable by ourselves. But, but he says, I've done all this. I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed adultery. I've never stolen anything. I've never, I've never given false testimony. I, I've honored my, my mother and father. And even if you say, well, are you sure? Like, really? And, and maybe he's saying in general, like, yes, as a kid, did I one time lie 
and uh, never, you know, like I, was, I stole something, like my, I stole my brother's toy and my mom asked me and I lied about it. Like maybe he's saying in general terms, I'm an honest guy. You know, I, have I, did I get angry at my, my parents once and I, I stormed off and I didn't honor them? Sure. But, but in general terms, I've honored my father and mother. Um, he's, he's, he's at the very least speaking in broad terms. And he says, all these have I kept. What's lacking? What's interesting to me, though, is that something's lacking. That even when he says, I've kept all of these. And let's be honest. I think most of us would say we've never murdered anybody. And, and, or, or I've never committed adultery. Or, and even if you don't go with the Jesus thing where Jesus said in another teaching, oh, you say you've never committed murder, but if you've had hate in your heart for somebody, it's as if you've been a murderer. Oh, you say I've never committed adultery, but if you've had lust in your heart for someone else, then it's the same as committing adultery with them. And then you go, oh, crap, I've killed some people. And I've, I've committed some adultery because I've, I've sinned. I've done those things. Uh, you know, maybe I never gave false testimony in a court of law, but, you know, have I, have I told a lie? Sure. Like, you start going through this. Have I always loved my neighbor as myself? And then you go, well, yeah, sure, until I realized maybe I was counting my neighbor as a very small, set, select group of people. And when I look at it in a more holistic sense, I go, oh, maybe I haven't. Here's the point. Even if you erase all that and you say, okay, generally speaking, sure, he's done that. He says, what do I lack? Something's missing. Something's not good enough. Something isn't working for him. At what point do you say religion doesn't work? At what point do you say vague spirituality leaves you lacking? At what point do you say success isn't enough? He's young. He's moral. Other gospels tell us that he is some kind of ruler, an important person, a nobleman maybe. And verse 22 tells us that he is wealthy. He's incredibly wealthy. He has everything you'd think you'd want. But think about Elon Musk. How many problems does that guy have? Every relationship he's ever been in has failed. He's got all kinds of issues. Uh, you know, SpaceX rocket ship blew up, all these things. Bill Gates, you know, top of the world, richest man in the world, the whole thing. Divorced. Turns out that Epstein was you know, blackmailing him. That's never good if you're on Epstein's, if your name's getting associated with Jeffrey Epstein and, you know, uh, all these things. And you start start going through the list. You think about successful people, people who have everything like you. Oh, if I just had this in my life, if I had enough money and it seems to not work out. You know, how many uh, people, I remember it was last year, there was the, the CFO of a major company jumped out of a window and killed himself. And apparently that's not terribly uncommon in New York City. Oh, if I just had a, a a good enough partner in life and that we see like, you know, people who, who have like the most desirable, you know, handsomest husband or, or beautiful wife or whatever. And then they end up, you know, cheating with the nanny or having a divorce or whatever. It doesn't work out. What I'm saying is all these things that you go to and it's like, it still is not enough. Something is still missing. And that was the case for this guy. Something was still lacking. And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, verse 21, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. And when the man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Let me tell you this. It's not about the money. I mean, it was for the man, but it's not about the money. And here's why I believe that. And I believe that firmly because Jesus didn't tell every rich person he ever met to give away all that he had to the poor. Zacchaeus, you may remember this story. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. 
And Zacchaeus said, I'm going to give away half of my wealth. And Jesus says, that's great. There were other rich people in the Gospels in the book of Acts who didn't give away all of their wealth. They gave away some of their wealth. No one condemned them for it. In fact, in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, Peter, the apostle, says to them, hey, you guys didn't have to say that you gave all of your money away. You could have just given what you wanted or you didn't have to give any of it away. Nobody was making you. It's not about the money. Jesus was calling this young man to give away his money to the poor and to follow Jesus because that was the man's idol. That was the thing he wouldn't give up. That was the thing that he coveted, he held on to. I've known others and it's been like, what keeps you from following Jesus? And the answer is money, sure, or career, or education, politics. Some people are far too political. Right, left, libertarian, doesn't matter. But to truly follow Jesus would mean to give up my politics because I genuinely believe this. I believe that the, the Bible makes every political point of view uncomfortable. I do not believe, and this is a lie that has been taught in some churches, and if, and if you disagree with me, can I just invite you to have a conversation with me? My email is adam at faithonhill.com. I'd rather have a conversation with somebody than have somebody just like tune me out. But consider this. I believe that it's a lie that has been told that conservative politics represents biblical values. I also think it's a lie to think that liberal politics or progressive politics or libertarian politics represent biblical values. And I've been told the same thing from other people's. I believe that the Bible makes us uncomfortable no matter what our political point of view is. The reason I know this is that I know the church where if I walked in and I taught a certain part of the Bible, they would not welcome me back. And I know a church where if I came in and I taught one part of the Bible, they'd, it, they'd love it. But if I turned to the next chapter, they would hate it. One church is liberal, one church is conservative. My point being, our politics can sometimes keep us from following Jesus. I think there are people who Jesus wouldn't say to them, give up all your money to the poor and then follow me. I think he would say, turn away from your politics and follow me. Turn away from your career and follow me. Turn away from your lust, your greed and follow me. Turn away from that relationship and follow me. There are people who just, they, they know God is real. They want to follow Jesus but yet they cannot keep seeking affirmation and, and identity and, and their own sense of security from being in a relationship with somebody. And it's always somebody who's not in a good place, who doesn't love God, who, who's not in a, it's not a good situation. I've been around long enough, seen it enough times to know this is a very real thing. And, and so for them, it's not about the money. It's Jesus saying, give away, get rid of whatever is keeping you from following me and follow me. Remember I said earlier that Tim Keller quote that religious people find Jesus useful, Christians find Jesus amazing. And what I mean by that is this, and what I think he meant by that is this. This guy is just trying to find something useful in Jesus. I've been a moral person. I've been a successful person. I'm, I'm powerful. I'm rich. I'm young. I have everything that every society says is amazing. And I lack something. Fix the God box in my life. And Jesus isn't trying to just fix a problem. Jesus is trying to be the solution. Jesus isn't trying to just check off a box. Jesus is saying, follow me. Be part of my kingdom. It's not just that I fix part of your world. It's that I come in and I become your world. 
Jesus is worth it. The disciples gave up everything. And you might say, well, they didn't have money. Most of them weren't rich. That's true. Although Matthew likely was, and Paul may have had some standing. Um, Most of the disciples were not rich people. Yet they gave up careers, businesses, family connections. Some of them were rejected. It's, It's fairly well assumed that Simon the Zealot, who gave up his politics to follow Jesus, Paul, who was a, a, basically a member of, of Israel's Congress, gave up position and authority. All of them gave up because Jesus wasn't just checking off a box. Jesus was better. Jesus wasn't just useful to them. He was amazing. Because they looked around and they said, you know, I have all this stuff and I still lack something. Jesus one time gave a hard teaching. Most people didn't like it. And they left. And he turned to his disciples and said, are you going to leave too? And Peter says, where else are we going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life. I've never regretted when I've chosen to follow Jesus. And I have so often and always regretted when I have not followed Jesus. Where else can we go? Only Jesus has the words of eternal life. I just want to remind anyone and everyone who is listening to me, Jesus is better. Name a thing. Jesus is better. Does that mean that I can't go enjoy family? You know, it's a holiday weekend. You go barbecuing. You can't enjoy a good time with people. Watch a baseball game. Um, you know, play, play around a golf. You can't just in, go for a hike. You can't enjoy the world around you. Of course not. That's silly. That's how religious people think. God created us to enjoy the world that he put, in, that put us in place. We don't turn those things into the way, the truth, and the life. Some do. All I want to do in my whole life is go fish. All I want to do in my whole life is to be at nature. All I want to do in my whole life is to build this career or build this relationship or build this empire or whatever. Instead of thinking about Jesus is the best thing. Now, look, obviously, if you don't believe that, you don't believe that. But what I'm saying is that Christians have found that to be, true Christians have found that to be the case. It's truly like the parable that says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a great treasure in a field. And he went home and he sold everything he had so that he could buy the field. Why? Because what he found in the field was better and more valuable than literally everything he owned. He sold everything, his house, his land, everything to get that field because he knew that the treasure that was buried in that field was greater than anything he owned. And the same is true for us. We have found that Jesus is greater than anything we could have here on this earth. Jesus is greater than any person. Jesus is greater than any possession. Jesus is greater than any politics or ideology. And where my politics have disagreed with Jesus, my politics need to change. Where my relationships have been out of step with God's plans, then I've had to change those relationships. Where, where my you know, goals and ambitions and so on and so on and so on so that I might know the surpassing greatness of following Jesus. Now, I recognize that that challenges a lot of things people hold dear. Our career, our sense of self, our our ideologies, our pride, all of these things. And that's why I like to say these are conversations that we have. One of the things about our small groups is that we get together afterwards and we just talk about these things. And we get together afterwards, and it's not just like the pastor or whoever's preaching can just say what we all have to believe. 
but there can be honest pushback. I go to a small group myself and imagine being the preacher and then somebody says, I didn't agree with what you said. And there's that freedom and safety so we can have conversation. And sometimes I have to go like, I, I get what you're saying. Maybe I need to go back next Sunday and, and kind of clarify things. Uh, maybe I misspoke, you know, whatever it is. All of us together in a conversation and growing and learning. But those of us who believe, those of us, those of us who have said Jesus is Lord, are people who, unlike the rich young ruler, we didn't walk away sad. We didn't walk away sad because we had this thing that we thought was better. We walked away with great joy because we found the thing that was better. We found the true treasure. We found the true Savior. We found the true kingdom. We found the true hope. And it's that hope we preach, that Jesus Christ died to save sinners among whom we were the chief that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus Christ is the only way that people can know God, and not that he is just the connection, but he himself is God, and as we know him, we know God. And that's the great hope and joy and peace that we have. I look forward to getting back into our study of the book of Revelation next week. But what a great day to pause and remember that Jesus is better. He's better than any religious system. He's better than any rules we could try to keep. He's better than any career, power, or possession we could have. Ultimately, Jesus is amazing. We'll see you next week, and we'll see you this week in the small groups. God bless you.